It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, back here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and guys, This Monday's episode, we get to talk on a positive note. We get to be excited. We get to be happy and joyous and enjoying the life because last Saturday in Oxford, it may have taken all four quarters. It may have came down to the wire. It came down to literally an onside kick, but Texas A&M returns to College Station, returns to Kyle Field, and prepares for another SEC matchup against the Mississippi State Bulldogs following a 24-17 victory over Ole Miss. The Aggies now are 4-3, heading back in the right direction, hoping to continue their winning ways before they have to go up and face Georgia and LSU to close out the season. We're going to talk all about that game. We're going to talk all about what went right, what are some things that went wrong, because there are some things that went wrong in this game that you expect not to go wrong with this AM team. And then there are things that went right that are positive for the program. This win overall didn't answer any questions, but what it did show was the questions that needed to be proven, there's a little bit more of a backbone with it now. We can look at it and go, okay, I like what they did. There is promise. There is hope. There is something good there. There's also questions that now have arisen that say, oh boy, we we, we could have some stuff going on. But before we get into that, just also a reminder to make sure you're following us on social media. You can follow us at Locked On Aggies. You can follow us at Aggies SI. Sports Illustrated's Aggie Maven has partnered with the Locked On Network. They are now two and one in the same. You can listen to all of our former Locked On Aggie shows found on si.com slash T-A-M-U. You can follow all of us at Aggies SI. We're really excited for what's coming forward, especially heading in to the final month and a half of college football. Now, like we do every single Monday, we like to recap the SEC. We call it the state of the SEC section here on Locked On Aggies, where we go back, we look at every single team in the SEC and how they fared this week. So let's get started up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where the Razorbacks were taking on the number 11 ranked Auburn Tigers. This was a game I expected to be a lot closer. I was completely wrong on that. It wasn't even near close. Bo Nix rushed for a four-yard touchdown to begin the game to start the season off 7-0. Then they would go score on a six-yard touchdown run by Sean Shivers. But of course, the highlight of the game had to have come where you knew that this game was going south right here on this play. So the rest of those... Tailbacks in the backfield, 2007 on the Bay Bank, and it's intercepted. And that's Chandler Wooten, who took that like push pass from Sam Loy. And Auburn gets their second interception of the season and will take over at the Arkansas 38-yard line. Sam Lloyd tries to throw a shovel pass on a fourth down conversion fake punt. It is intercepted. Bonex finishes with 176 passing yards, four total touchdowns. The Tigers get the 51-10 win on the road at Fayetteville. They move to 6-1, are officially bowl eligible, and are now 3-1 in SEC play. We head out to Columbia, South Carolina, where the Gamecocks are looking to continue the losing streak 
for Florida. Ryan Holinski comes back, plays in this game, finishes 17 of 35 for 170 yards, one touchdown. But once again, this was a pissed off Florida team that knew they were better than what they showed against LSU, and they came to play. Kyle Trask, 21 of 33, four total touchdowns. The running backs combined for over 155 rushing yards, one touchdown. Florida gets the 38-27 victory. They move to 7-1 on the year, 4-1 in the SEC play, while South Carolina moves to 3-4. We move over to Starkville where the Mississippi State Bulldogs were hosting number 2 LSU. And guys, if you are not a believer in Joe Burrow just yet, it's time to start believing because on Saturday, he joined the LSU history books forever, throwing his 29th touchdown pass of the year, breaking a new school record, Burrow. Finished a total of 25 of 32 for 327 yards, four total touchdowns. LSU gets the big time win, 36 to 13 over Mississippi State. The Bulldogs will head to Aggieland this upcoming Saturday to face on Texas A&M. We're going to head over to Nash Vegas, Nashville, Tennessee, where the Vanderbilt Commodores were hosting the number 22 ranked Missouri Tigers. And guys, it got Ugly. It started off with the Keyshawn Vaughn one-yard touchdown run in the second quarter to give Commodores a 7-0 lead. But a touchdown pass from Kelly Bryant would tie it up. But with just over two minutes left in the second quarter, Keyshawn Vaughn, a 61-yard pass caught, brings it to a 14-7 lead. And then with eight minutes and 57 seconds left in the fourth quarter, Cam Johnson, 21-yard touchdown pass from Riley Neal. Kelly Bryant, overall rough day, 13 to 26, 140 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Vanderbilt gets the much needed win and the upset, 21 to 14 over Missouri. The Tigers, now unranked, move to five and two. Vanderbilt, move to two and five. At least you're trending in the right direction. They pick up their first SEC win of the season. Going back down to Georgia, where the Bulldogs have to be frustrated after last week's loss to South Carolina, and they took the frustration out on a struggling Kentucky team. Early on, DeAndre Swift, 39-yard touchdown run that would later be followed in the third quarter by a Brian Harry, an 8-yard touchdown run. Just to close it all out, DeAndre Swift, 3-yard touchdowns. Rodrigo Blankenship makes the extra point. 21-0 the final for Georgia, but... Rough day overall for Jake Fromm, a guy who people are starting to get really high on, but now have a lot of questions. 9-12 for 35 passing yards. Georgia moves on to be 6-1, 3-1 in SEC play. They're now bowl eligible. They remain still the lowest ranked team. Kentucky, 3-4. And, and we close it out with Alabama versus Tennessee. The third Saturday in October tradition is back, and there was a good, a bad, and an ugly. The good. Mac Jones was a competent quarterback because if he had to be, goes 6 of 11 for 72 yards, doesn't throw a touchdown, doesn't throw an interception, does a good job leading the team. The bad, Tua Tungavailoa, injured later on in the game, did not return, had ankle surgery, is expected to miss this upcoming weekend against Arkansas, but is hopeful to return when the team faces off against a probable number two ranked LSU. And the ugly, the big ugly, Besides Tennessee's color scheme, the biggest ugly of all, 13 straight years, Alabama has defeated Tennessee. Light up those cigars, Crimson Tide fans. You've earned it. Wasn't the best game, but the team gets a 35-13 win over Tennessee. 
Third Saturday of October, one of the best games of the college football season. Light them up. Smoke it up, T-Town. You probably earned it. You will face Arkansas next week before heading into a bye, before taking on a potential game-sealing SEC West LSU. The new AP rankings came out, and unfortunately, Texas A&M still will not find themselves in that column this week. But the top five still looking strong for the SEC as a whole. Alabama and LSU remain 1-2 and two following their victories against Tennessee and Mississippi State, respectively. Now you also see Florida moving up into the top 10 permanently, coming in at number 7 following their win over South Carolina. Auburn jumps back into the top 10, coming in at now number 9 following their big-time victory over Arkansas. And rounding out the top 10, Georgia stays at 10 with their 21-0 victory over Kentucky. We're going to talk a lot about the A&M Ole Miss game. We're focusing the rest of the show on that. But first, here's a quick word from our Locked On Podcast sponsors. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network is back. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And there were some very good things to talk about with this A&M team. But there are some negatives that have to be addressed moving on. So let's just focus on recapping the game out in Oxford. Seth Small would start off the Aggies on the right foot with a 24-yard field goal to give the team a 3-0 lead. But that would change two plays later with a Jerion Ely 69-yard touchdown run. Two plays, 79 yards on that next drive to give the Rebels a 7-3 lead. Luckily for the Aggies, Ely would not play after the second quarter due to having flu-like symptoms. He would be replaced with Scotty Phillips taking a majority of the carries. Next up, Kellen Mond, hoping to continue his success the same he had against Alabama, and it wasn't pretty to start it off. With 105 left in the first, Mond would be intercepted by Austrian Robinson, returned for no game. That would eventually lead to a punt by Ole Miss. Two drives later, he would throw another interception on a Pretty positive drive uh, by Donta Evans, returned for another no game. That would end in a missed field goal attempt by the Rebels. Now, just before halftime, we got to see the Kellen Mond that we all know, we all believe in, we all love. 18-yard touchdown to Kendrick Rogers to give the Aggies a 10-7 lead heading into half. But here come the Rebels. Opening drive of the third quarter, Snoop Connor runs for a two-yard touchdown after a 22-yard pass completed from Matt Quarrel to Scotty Phillips to set them up into the red zone. So, how did the Aggies respond? Well, of course, it's Elijah Blades coming off the blitz, going in, getting the sack on John Reese Plumley, Buddy Johnson with the scoop and score. 62-yard touchdown fumble return, giving the Aggies the 17-14 lead. We wouldn't really see anything else besides an interception from Matt Quarrel to Clifford Chapman, Going into the end of the third quarter, a couple more, more, more missed field goals by Seth Small. But late in the game, Isaiah Spiller, who was having his best game of the season, rushes free, breaks through a couple defenders for a 22-yard touchdown run to give the Aggies the 24-14 lead. But here comes Ole Miss. They're down, but they are definitely not out. A 14-yard drive would culminate in a Luke Logan 35-yard field goal, and you know with it now being 24-17, this was the last chance for Ole Miss to go out and make a big-time play. They go for the onside field goal. It is a illegal batting by Ole Miss on the penalty. Aggie ball. All it takes is a knee. A&M walks out of Vaught-Hemingway Stadium with a big-time win. They move on to 4-3 and 
in regular season play. They move to 2-2 two and two in conference play, and they are now in the driver's seat controlling their own destiny. Moving forward, they have a chance to pick up two more big wins before their next bye week when they face off against Mississippi State and UTSA. So let's talk a little bit about the positives of this game. Let's start off with one that we all probably want to know because of this was a game that, one, this kid is not going to forget for a long time because he's the hero of this game when it's all said and done. But at the same time, let's talk about it because of this could be the turning point for him moving forward, and that is Isaiah Spiller. My God, this kid was dominant going into this game. Now, don't get me wrong. The numbers aren't all that impressive when you compare it to some of his numbers in the past, but against SEC opponents and just Power 5 opponents this year before coming into this game, 30 carries, 60 total yards, two fumbles. Against Ole Miss, who is known for their run defense more than their passing defense. 16 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown, that long 22-yard run that would give the Aggies the 24-14 to lead. He also didn't rush for any negative yards. Every single play he had was for positive production. That hasn't happened to him this year. He's finished twice this year with less than 10 yards and once this year with negative rushing yards on multiple carries per game. The guy was not expected to be this big franchise, the big back in his freshman year. And that's hard to ask any player at any level outside of maybe non-Power 5 conferences for a freshman to come in and be a superstar. Jay Sean Corbin was supposed to be the guy, but a hamstring injury derailed his season after Game 2 to Clemson, and they've really relied on him and Jacob Cabote to do a majority of the rushing, and this game was all spiller. Cabote didn't rush at all. Kellen Mond, of course, did do a majority of the running as well. 15 carries, 76 rushing yards, but it was to the Spiller show. We've seen the potential of him because we saw it against Texas State where he rushed for 106 yards, and we saw it against Lamar where he rushed for 116 yards. Now that we're seeing him do this against bigger opponents, that's a good sign. That's a very good sign for the program moving forward going into majority SEC play with the remainder of the season. It's nice that they're going to be able to have this kid probably see more production. And if he continues this path, when Corbin returns next year, it's a win-win, one-two punch for this Aggie backfield. I don't see a fault in it. But it's nice to see a guy that we've seen so much potential from get that big-time play, get that big-time win, Get all those things that need to set the program moving forward. Another big one, freshman success. We already talked a little bit about Spiller. Let's talk about Jalen Weidemeyer. Finishes with four catches, leads a team in receiving yards, 67 total yards on the day. Big 29-yard catch set up for Seth Small field goal early on. He is on fire. This kid was not also expected to be the starting tight end. That job was given to Baylor Cup, who injured himself at the start of the year and will not play the remainder of the season. And he's really stepped up big, especially in the past couple weeks. 13 total catches, 172 yards, four touchdowns on the year, but it's more so just his ability to get open. When you're a 6'5 freshman, you're going to be a top target. And it's looking more so like nowadays, unless you're double covering him or playing in his zone coverage, he's getting harder and harder to guard. So you gotta love what you've seen from this kid. 
Aeneas Smith also did a fantastic job. He didn't do really anything in the receiving game, but he did do a lot in the return game. Finished with two kick returns for a total of 40 yards, finished with four punt returns for a total of 65 yards, and a long of 34. He made a dominant run, made three defenders miss at open contact right at the beginning, and then was able to break free for a big 20-plus yard gain, set the Aggies up in good field position. With young talent like this matching the success of the veteran talent, that's a good sign, especially if a majority of the veteran talent returns for their senior season. Now you are a full-fledged team with production at multiple levels from multiple different players, some who are leaving, but some who are the basic and the future of the program. Those are all positives you can take away from this game because it was sloppy play for a majority of it. But you got to love what also happened because you got to see what the future of AM could be like. One final positive. Let's give it up for Justin Matabuki, who has been the guy who's been there for AM all season. He's been the most reliable defensive lineman, but he hasn't really made any big time plays. Well, this week he made probably the biggest play that you could see. Blocked field goal from a Luke Logan uh, 51-yard field goal attempt. That gave the Aggies the momentum. That ended up being a huge difference maker in the end. He finished pretty strong overall with his stat line. Finished with five total tackles, half a sack, uh, one tackle for loss, two QB hurries, two single solo tackles. The guy was dominant against Ole Miss. He is definitely going to be considered one of our top three players of the week. Let's just go through that real fast. Player number three is Matabuki. Player number two for us is Kendrick Rogers. You got to give it up to Rogers. Guy has struggled all season, comes up big right before the half, gets that 18-yard touchdown to give the Aggies the lead right before halftime. He is hopefully going to turn things around moving forward. But number one, got to give it to Isaiah Spiller. With that game that he had, positive yards every single carry, positive yards moving the ball, positive, positive, positive. You got to love the positivity. And if he continues to be that guy, Moving forward, this is going to be a very solid, sound AM team. There were some negatives, though, because of when you look at these two teams, they were both coming in at 3-3, three and three, two very different type of 3-3 three and three teams, yet somehow Ole Miss was hanging around until the end. We're going to talk about that, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsors from Lockdown Podcast Network. Guys, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and a free two-day shipping. Remember, that promo code is GetRoman.com locked and get your erectile dysfunction taken care of today. All right, Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking about things Texas a and talking about the Texas a Ole Miss game over the weekend. There were some pauses we just talked about. The emergence of Jalen Weidemeyer, the emergence of Isaiah Spiller, Ania Smith doing well, Kendrick Rogers coming back, making a big-time play, Justin Matabuki with his blocked field goal. All really good. The problem is there were some negatives that we have to address. If this team wants to get better, there are so many things that are going to have to change moving forward. And it all starts this week on offense. Predominantly, the offensive line. I know a lot of people out there are frustrated with Kellen Mond because of the kid last year showed so much potential, so much promise, so much of he's going to be the next great 
SEC quarterback. He's going to be up there with Tua. He's going to be up there with Jake Fromm. He's going to be up there. He's going to be able to beat Felipe Farkas. He's going to be number three or number two quarterback in the SEC. And his numbers don't really say that because you look at it, 1,769 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, six interceptions on the year. Guys, at the same time, we're putting so much pressure on Kellen to find success, and we're not talking about the offensive line that is giving him, one, zero time to throw that ball, and two, consistently letting him get pressured in the backfield. Ole Miss's front seven collected four total sacks and 11 total QB pressures against A&M's offensive line. You can't do that. When you have a quarterback who just took a beating against Alabama because of the offensive line wasn't holding, you can't do that with another team. And it just feels like it's a winding carousel. Kellen Mom will throw an interception because he's having to rush the ball, but people are only talking about him rushing the pass instead of worrying about why is he having to rush that ball in the first place. You ever think of Deshaun Watson for the Houston Texans? And how there are plays out there that you're wondering how he makes those plays. Kalamon's the same way. He really is. The offensive line isn't doing either of them any favors. Yet they're still finding ways to succeed. And when they don't succeed, it's because they're so rushed. I mean beyond rushed. That they're not getting a chance to even throw the ball. Let alone think of where they're throwing. They don't even get to look at their second option. They just have to let it go. Both of those interceptions were because of rushed plays. One of them was easily because the pressure was about to close in on him and he had to get rid of that ball because he couldn't get hurt. You lose Kellen Mond for the season because of poor offensive line play. Everyone's talking about Zach Calzada being the guy, being a you know, being part of the freshman movement. I don't think anything changes. I don't, I don't see them. You know, becoming this nine and three team still. I see them more as a six and six, seven and five with Calzada playing. With Mon playing, nine and three is plausible. It's not impossible and it's not improbable, but it's plausible. They could get wins over Georgia. Georgia struggled. LSU, they somehow fall flat at the end of the season. They could get a win. They really could. But you can't do it without Mon. So give the guy some credit. He needs to work on communicating better with his receivers. He needs to work on getting better with finding the proper people to hit. He needs to get better with all that. But it's hard to get better when your offensive line is letting you get trampled consistently. Those are all things you have to tie in together and just smile and go, okay, we know what the problem is. Let's fix it. Until that offensive line is fixed, Get ready to watch Kellen Mond struggle a little bit. Maybe not a ton. Maybe he's not, you know, this guy who's going to be a complete disaster. But he is going to struggle. That's just a given. He is going to struggle. Let's talk a little bit about Seth Small. This was a game that he is definitely just going to want to forget. One for three in field goal chances. Only one he made was his very first one. Chip shot of a 24-yarder. He'd miss two more that could have given the Aggies a lead. When your special teams needs to be on point, 
like the way A&M's did this past weekend, that's a big red flag. Because overall, they got the win. But they got a 24-17 win when they probably could have gotten a 30-17 win. They probably could have gotten even a 30-14 win. You got to make those field goals. One went wide left and one went wide right. You can't have that from your kicker. I mean, especially when A&M is known at the next level for producing talented special teamers. One of the greatest punters of all time went to Texas A&M. Shane Luckler. You look at some of the best kickers in football right now. Randy Bullock, Josh Lambeau, A&M. A&M is known for producing good special team talent. And in a game where you are now holding on for dear life to get that victory, and it has to be close, that's a massive question of what did I do wrong? What do I need to work on? And hopefully Small can fix it because of even though I do think that the struggling Mississippi State team is going to fall to AM, anything can happen. Joe Moorhead is a great offensive mind who can probably get Mike Elko to play on some things, make some mistakes early on, and definitely cause the team to struggle at points. So it could rely on special teams. And if Seth Small struggles again, he may not be so lucky against the other school in Mississippi. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Aggies SI. You can follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. We will be back tomorrow breaking down Coach Fisher's press conference, everything that he saw against Ole Miss, and how the team is prepping for Mississippi State, the other school, the Bulldogs, coming to town this upcoming weekend, 11 o'clock kickoff It at Kyle Field. The Aggies hoping to go to 5-3 and three on the year. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, y'all, Yegum. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.